Today's scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, and can be found on pages 1003 to 1004 of the Pew Bibles. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Guten Morgen, meine Damen und Herren. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Was it my accent? My dialect? My high German? Hey, let me uh, pray for us and we'll get started. Lord God, what a beautiful day you have given us. Time to gather, a time to worship, time to pray. Lord, we are grateful today that you chose to be a human being in the form of Jesus. And Lord, uh, gave us a cross and a resurrection, and there is an eternity before us. Lord, I pray that today that we would be blessed by your word. In the name of Christ, amen. Well, my name's Dave Martin. Uh, I've had the privilege of living in southern Germany for about 25 years. And um, something that I love about Germany and Switzerland and Austria is we have the best swim bods in the world, right? I mean, man, do we do indoor swimming pools well and outdoor swimming pools. And um, I lived for about eight or nine years near the city of Munich in the great state of Bayern. Um, My heart will always be a little bit Bavarian. I cannot help it. And uh, we lived near this city called Starnberg, south of Munich, and we had a swim bod. And it was great. And uh, my wife doesn't like it as much as I do because she says she gets cold. Um, But my kids loved it, so I would always persuade her, let's go to the Schwimmbad. And one day we walked into the Schwimmbad, and um, there's a high dive. It's nine meters high. It is like life-threatening. And as we walked in, anybody in here not a swimmer? Anybody not a swimmer? There's one, two. All right, there are three of us who drown off four, five. Okay, you understand where I'm coming from. This story is for you. And uh, as we walked in, I'm a little bit of a prankster. I cannot help myself. And I said, hey, kids, you think your mom could go off the high dive? And they were like, yeah, mommy, go off the high dive. And to my chagrin, uh, my wife threw down her towel, walked over to the high dive, climbed the 52 steps up there, and just never paused, never stopped motion, 
and just trot it out and poof. It was a beautiful swan dive. If you were in the Olympics, it would be a 9.8. It was incredible. And then uh, my kids were like, Daddy, did you see that? I'm going, yes, I did. And uh, little did I know I was about to get my turn. She pops out of the swimming pool and she says, hey, kids, you think your dad can do that? (laughs) And they said, oh, daddy can do anything. So I commenced to go over to the high dive. I climbed up the stairs. I walked to the edge and I froze. And I was paralyzed. And I looked down and suddenly the nine meters was 20 meters. And so I turned around and I walked back to the stairs, but there was a long line of little kids and they just kept screaming at me, nine, nine. I was like, no, please let me down. Nine. And they're pushing me up the thing and I go back to the edge and I look down. It's 30 meters high. I mean, oh my gosh, I could just see my life flashing before my eyes. So I turned around and I went back and the same little kids, they're like five years old, nine, nine. And they're pushing me over to the edge and and I looked down and it was 50 meters. And my kids looked up at me and one of my daughters said, Daddy, you can do it. And then off in the corner, I am paralyzed. I need you to know, this is an absolute true story. Sounds like a scene out of a movie, but it is true. And I look around, and there's a crowd of people in the Shrimba. And everybody has stopped. And where do you think they're looking? At me. Where are my non-swimmers? Non-swimmers, right? Are you terrified? I'm terrified. I am, I am freaking out in my head, you know. And, and then off in the corner, I see this man, and he stands up. I see my daughter. She goes, you can do it. And then I see the whole crowd staring at me. Then a man all the way over in that corner, you on the back row. Can you raise your hands? There you go. There, there you go. All the way back there, and this man stands up, and he says, Los, 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 los. Okay, now do it with me. Here we go. Los, los, los. I can't hear you. Los, 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 los. Yes, that's it. And the whole crowd started saying, los, los, los. And I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I have to jump. Then I just ran and did a big cannonball and just splashed water everywhere. Oh, my goodness gracious. I got out of the pool. And I said, how's that, kids? They're like, you are Superman. And, and my wife was like, oh, my gosh, how do you do that? And, uh, I, but I was truly paralyzed. Uh, and I've done some crazy things in my life. I have had several reconstructive surgeries because of mountain biking and jumping off things I shouldn't. But that day, I was mortified. I was terrified. And I was paralyzed. Um, Do you ever feel like that in your life? Do you ever feel like that in your faith? Sometimes we get paralyzed. Right? We're afraid to jump. That nine meter diving board becomes 50 meters, 100 meters. And we think, I just can't do it. Can I challenge you with something today? Can I challenge you to engage your faith and to not hesitate? Don't hesitate. Don't allow paralysis to get you. Jump. The water's great. Um, I want to introduce you to somebody today who did not hesitate, like I did hesitate. Uh, His name is Levi, and you're going to find him in Mark chapter 2. Now, Levi, if he was on that diving board, he would not have been paralyzed. He would have just jumped in the water. And uh, I want to read the text in Mark chapter 2. 13 through 17, and we're going to walk through this, and we're going to see Levi not hesitate. He just jumps in the water. 
Don't be paralyzed. Don't be mortified. Just jump. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, in our previous text, just the text before this, we see Jesus heal the paralytic. And there are great crowds. So many people, there weren't seats. There weren't places to stand up. And people were falling out of the windows. And and they had to drag their friend all the way up to the top of the roof to dig a hole in in the house to get him in front of Jesus. You see, Jesus is popular. Doesn't mean everybody likes him, but he is popular. Everybody is learning about Jesus. And who shows up to listen to Jesus? Well, first of all, those who love him. The believers. They follow Jesus. But we also have those who are curious. And they're wondering, who is this Jesus? What's he all about? And then we also have the religious leaders. They are not lovers of Jesus. In fact, they're trying to trap him and kill him and take him away. (laughs) So this is a scene as we start the text. As he walked along the lake, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. So can you imagine? So Jesus has this crowd following him as they go along. I wonder, what did it look like? Was Jesus walking backwards? You know, and saying, hey, on your right is Galilee, on your left is Capernaum. I don't know, but he's having a walking tour of these guys as he's teaching them. And suddenly, he sees Levi. Now, just for the purpose of this message in this time, Levi later becomes who? Matthew, right? But for the purpose of this message, uh, he is Levi today, Matthew tomorrow. And uh, Jesus notices a tax collector's booth. And um, I often have this cartoon image in my head of this cartoon booth and says taxes and, and script letters up there. And, and you see this guy, Matthew, in there, and he's collecting money. And uh, Jesus comes up to the booth and just looks at Levi and says, follow me. And immediate, immediately, Levi follows him. Now, who is Levi? He's a tax collector which means many of his own people see him as a traitor. Um, He's not very popular, couldn't be, but he has money. He has wealth. Has anyone seen The Chosen? Anybody watch The Chosen? If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. They do a great characterization of of Matthew. Um, And I can just see him seeing Jesus. And something clicks. He doesn't hesitate. He closes down his business. And he walks out the door, and he follows Jesus. Just like Peter and Andrew, and James and John. Do you remember James and John? Jesus walks up to the boat, and their father is in the boat working on the nets. And they leave the family business behind to follow Jesus. So why does Levi follow Jesus without hesitation? What was it? Years ago, uh, Max Lucado wrote a book book called God Came Near. And he wrote, uh, the whole book is just about the fact that Jesus, this man God, was real. Not fiction, not a legend, not a tall tale, but real. And he walked among us. And he was not only human, but he was also God. 100% God, 100% human. And God came near. And I think that if Jesus appeared today, we would discover that he is the most magnetic human being to ever live. That he would be so attractive you couldn't resist him. For those of us that take a good look at him and discover who he is. 
You see, Jesus, he's not just kind. He's the kindest. He's not just smart. He's the smartest. He's not just courageous. He's the most courageous. Jesus is not just glorious. He is the most glorious. And Jesus is not just holy. He is the holiest. Gentlemen, I got to tell you, if Jesus appeared today and it was the World Cup time, he would come over to your house to grill out with you and watch the World Cup. And when he grilled your steak, it would be perfect. And when he made a joke, it would be funny. And you just couldn't resist being with him. And when he leaves, you'd say, hey, Jesus, come back again. He goes, oh, I'll be back. And we'd all sit around and talk about, man, how cool is that guy? How cool is that guy? Ladies, Jesus would be so attractive, so poetic, so kind, so relational. We would all want to be around him. It's Jesus. Once we take a look at him and realize who he is, the son of God, Jesus. Well, now we see Jesus in action. Let me paint the scene for you. Levi throws a party. I don't know if it was that night or if it was the next day, but soon after he followed Jesus, he throws a party. And he invites Jesus to grill out with him, right? And uh, Jesus shows up. And at Levi's party, if you could imagine this, the tables are low to the ground. People are reclining. And when you look around the table, it's, it's not the Pharisees that you see. It's not the religious leaders that you see. It's not the righteous that you see. You see the broken. You see the sinful. You see the hurting and the lost. Those that are disenfranchised. And Jesus shares a meal with them. Now, can you believe that Levi would just throw a party for Jesus like that and invite all of his friends? And this is what happens. While Jesus, <clears throat> while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. These are the dregs of society. These are the ugly and the lost. And Jesus finds them beautiful. And he chooses to have a meal with them. The Son of God, the King of all creation, walking among us. I mean, this is a party, right? This is a good night. Well, Soon after, the party poopers show up, the religious leaders, the Pharisees. And this is what they say. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, <coughs> they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? These were the religious leaders, the teachers of the law. I think in their minds, they thought they were better than everyone else. You see, they didn't acknowledge that they were broken. They didn't acknowledge that they were sinful. They didn't acknowledge that they were lost. Instead, in their minds, they were righteous. And on hearing this, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call the sinners. Hmm. You see, the... Uh, the religious leaders were all about religion and not relationship. Can I tell you a little bit about religion? See, religion is made by human beings. 
It is our own way to work ourselves to eternity, that we could earn our own salvation. But we don't belong to a religion. We belong to a relationship. And anytime you're reading uh, some history of the church and, and the idea of, oh, Christianity is different than other religions. The key operative word is other. I would like to argue that we are no other because we are not a religion. You see, we are in a relationship with the person of Jesus who reconciles us to God the Father, and we are indwelled by the Spirit of God. That, my friends, is a relationship. It is a deep, rich relationship. Um, If we haven't figured that out yet, I want to challenge you to investigate this word religion uh, and other religions and look at our faith in a relationship with Christ and who he is. See, our relationship with God is just that. It's a relationship, not at all a religion. So Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, if we know Jesus, we have to know our need. To know Jesus, we have to know who we are, that we too are broken and we're lost. We're sinful. In fact, we have to repent. And repent is just a fancy word for turn around. Just when you go your own way, away from God, at some point we have to acknowledge our need that we are a sinful people, broken and lost, and we are in need need of a Savior, a perfect Savior, and his name is Jesus. And we have to repent. We turn around and we face the face of God. And we begin a relationship. But we don't have the relationship until we understand our own need. And I think at the party with Levi, people in that room were understanding their need. And they knew they needed a relationship with Jesus. And the Pharisees, they have not repented. They're going their own way. And so many of us today choose religion over relationship. And we go our own way. And try to work our way to heaven. It will never work. We can never climb the ladder high enough. We can never do this on our own. Only through a personal relationship with Christ can we do this. So let me ask you a question. Could a religious leader, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a scribe, could one of them have a relationship with Christ? Absolutely, right? Because it's about the relationship. It's about repenting. It's turning to the face of God. I think we... We know of a couple of Pharisees that had that experience in the scriptures. There is room at the table for everybody. Anyone who would choose to follow the Christ and give our lives to him with no eternity. It's all based on relationship. And I think Jesus invites us to the party. And he says, come, recline with me, eat with me, share life with me, follow me. Don't hesitate. Follow me. Hmm. See, uh, God is calling. God called Levi. He called me. And he's calling you. God is calling. He's calling us to give our lives away. So God called Levi. Jesus called Levi. And he did not hesitate. And immediately, Levi has a party with Jesus 
Levi did not hesitate. And Jesus entered the world of broken people, sinners. Jesus did not hesitate. They're not paralyzed. They're not at the edge of the high diving board, paralyzed and mortified. They jump. And God called me. And he's called me to love my neighbor as myself. He's called me to love the Lord God Almighty with my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Everything that I am. And that's what he's calling you to do. Calling you to love your neighbor as yourself. So who are you pursuing? Who are you having a party with? Who's coming to your house tonight? When's the last time you invited someone to your home for a meal? When's the last time that you walked out of your way to help a stranger? God is calling you. Who's he calling you to? He's calling you to your neighbor, your literal neighbor. He's calling you to the stranger that you run into down the street. He's calling you to the clerk at your local grocery store. He's calling you to your family. Have you ever noticed that sometimes your family may be the hardest people in the world to reach? Anybody had that experience? Can I encourage you to keep going? Can I encourage you? Don't stop. Don't hesitate. Pursue. Pursue. Love your neighbor as yourself. And God is also calling us to love the Lord our God with our heart, minds, soul, and strength. And we only do that when we have a relationship with Jesus. So, do we have a relationship with Jesus today? Or do we have a religion? Is this a Sunday morning thing for you that you check off the box? Or is this a everything for you? You see, this isn't a a Sunday morning ritual. This is a daily relationship with the person of Christ, that we would walk with him, that he would walk with us, and that we would know him and we would have intimacy, that we would feel the Spirit of God inside of us to guide us and direct us. Hmm. Is there anything more valuable than God in your life? Is there anything more valuable than a relationship with the person of Christ? Has religion abducted your soul? Years ago, uh, <clears throat> I was struggling and I had a series of voices in my head. No, I'm not crazy. Well, maybe I am, but I wasn't at that moment. And I kept hearing this voice and it said, um, David, do you love your family more than you love me? And I thought, well, that's strange. And I just thought, My subconscious is speaking to me again. It happens sometimes. The next day, David, do you love your family more than you love me? This went on for about 30 days. I'm a slow learner. What can I say? Then it hit me. And I had to answer. And I said, "Uh, yes, Lord. I think I love my family more than I love you. Now, here's the beautiful thing. This is a sweet, tender, kind, yet firm voice. And I hear the Lord say to me, David, can we change that? Oh, Lord, I don't know. Have you seen my kids? I just love them so much. But where did they come from? It's like, oh, Lord, I love Christy, my wife, so much. And he said, but shouldn't I be first? And we have this conversation, and I realized maybe my family is between me and God. You know, maybe that I think I'm just so gifted and that I'm all that. And another month and 
God says, David, do you trust you more than you trust me? So this goes on for 30 days. David, do you trust you more than you trust me? Then it hit me. It's like, oh, Lord, I do. And he said, David, where do you think you got those gifts? Whatever gifts that you may have, and I hope that you discover them and know them, they are not your gifts. They are gifts from the Lord. Can I challenge you with this today? Whatever would come between you and a relationship with Christ Jesus, destroy it. Rip it apart. Throw it away. Live a life with Christ. Don't hesitate. Jump off the high diving board. Don't hesitate. Enter into a relationship with Christ. Give your life away. Give your life away to relationship to Christ, to God the Father, God the Spirit, and to those around you. Give your life away. We're meant to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are meant to love the Lord God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. Hmm. I need to tell you something important. You are not alone. We're all in this boat together. You are not alone. In fact, Hebrews 12 tells us this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We have a heavenly cloud of saints, a host of saints that have gone before us from the Old Testament to the New Testament to now. They have paved the way, and they are cheering us on to have endurance, to not hesitate, to jump, to be involved with relationship, not religion, to give our lives away to other people. The host of heavenly saints cheers you on. And they're in the back of the room, they're in the side of the room, they're in the front, and they're before you, and they say, Los, 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 don't hesitate. Jump in. The water is good. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, Lord, thanks for calling Levi. Lord, thanks for his willingness to give his life away. Lord, thanks for calling me so many years ago. Lord, I was a, a broken fool. Lord, somehow you had grace to capture my heart. Lord, thank you for calling us, the body of Christ, the church, uh, that the body would live on. Lord, give us the courage to jump in the water. Lord, no matter how deep it is, no matter how rough it is, Lord, that we would move forward with you. Lord, you are calling. In Jesus' name, amen.